Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Drake Nelson and is a special sermon for Mother's Day. My dad, he went to a hunting trip with my brother and my brother's friend, and, and Casey was my brother's friend. And then his father, his name was Joey, and so it was my dad, Drew, my brother, Casey, and Joey. And they went up to this, this actually happened, they went up to go turkey hunting, and they was going to go to Texas, and then stop in Texas, and stay a couple of nights, and then go to South Dakota, and then they was going to venture on back home. And this was the last weekend that it happened, well, they called me back and told me the story, and so I'm going to tell it to you. But when they got there, my dad snores really, really bad, he's a terrible snore. And so what they decided to do then was they said, you know what, we're going to alternate who gets to sleep with Mr. Tyson, your dad. And so the first night, my brother drew the, drew, you know, the short stick, so he had to sleep with dad the first night. And that morning, he woke up, and a turkey comes right in front of him. And Drew shoots and misses and shoots again and misses and shoots again. shoots three times and misses, but the turkey's doing this number right here. Have you all ever seen a turkey just run around? They will do that eventually. So Drew just takes off, and he's chasing the turkey, and the turkey runs off. And afterwards, they asked, Drew, what was wrong with you? And he just says, well, last night, I turned the light out. And as soon as I turned the light out, he started snoring. And I sat there and watched Tyson snore all night. I didn't get a wink of sleep. And so I'm just ready to go to bed. I don't even care about the missus. Well, that next night rolled over, and it was Casey's turn to sleep with Dad. So now Casey gets to sleep with Dad. And that next morning comes, and the turkey comes in just like it did for Drew. And Casey doesn't even shoot. I said, Casey, what's wrong? What's going on? Casey said, huh? Huh? Oh, I'm sorry, just not at all. I went to sleep last night with Mr. Tyson, but as soon as the lights turned off, he started snoring, and I stayed in bed and watched him sleep all night long. He's snoring, snoring, snoring. Now, Mr. Joey, Mr. Joey's a little smarter than the average bear. So Mr. Joey gets up, and that next night, they turn off the lights. But before they turn off the lights, Mr. Joey walks over to my dad, tucks him in, and gives him a little kiss on the cheek. He said, now Mr. Tyson watched me sleep all night. I got some real good sleep. I killed that turkey. I got it. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, you're crazy. If you got your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. I love the book of Daniel. It's probably one of my favorite books in the Bible. And I think often because it relates so much to the culture and to the world that we live in. I mean, Daniel, like a lot of times, Christians today, they, they're, they may be right about a lot of things. And in their rightness, they may exude a type of confidence, but it kind of all puts people to the Christian faith. So yeah, they are right, but they do it in such a way that nobody really likes them. And God doesn't call us to, I mean, they're right, right? They're right, but they, they're not effective. God doesn't call us to be right, does He? He calls us to be effective. But on the same opposite side, there are a lot of Christians who are all putting the Word of God, and they often say things, and they're standing on what they call um, maybe other people's acceptance and love, and they'll say this, a loving God would never tell me not to do A, B, A, B, or C, right? 
But when in fact, the most loving thing God could do is to call you away from your sin, right? And that's why I love the book of Daniel, because Daniel, he stands on the Word of God. He does everything how God says that it should be done, but he does it in such a way that it draws people to him, and it draws people to God. And then he, he, he lives that out, and people just follow this guy everywhere. And so what we want to do today is see if we can learn a little bit about Daniel, the fa- the the the, the verse is on the screen right here, or at least it will. Uh, yeah, there, there it is. Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to be verse 3. And here's what it says It says, Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities. Another translation may say, in his exceptional spirit. In other words, this wasn't his skill set that that distinguished him. This wasn't how great he could sing or play Moonlight Sonata. Or this wasn't a skill set, but it was the way that he acted. And because of it, people were drawn to him. Get this, that the king planned, planned to him um, the king planted him over, planted, I think is what I'm supposed to say, him over the entire kingdom. And that's what will happen to you. And so if we see this is how Daniel was, and if these were his qualities, we've got to ask the question, well, wonder how Daniel, wonder how Daniel acted. And we can think that Daniel probably had some characteristics that resembled God. And so then we have to ask the question, well, what resembles God? If we, if we want to have some of these exceptional qualities and characteristics, what resembles God? And do you remember that verse in Ezekiel chapter 1 where it talks about the four living beings? And says that there's these four living beings and one has the face of a lion and the other has the face of a man and the other has the face of an eagle and the other has the face of an ox. Do you remember that verse? It's also in Revelation chapter 4. But here's what it says in Ezekiel. It says it this plainly. It says, And the glory of God is revealed in those creatures. It says it that plainly. It is revealed in those creatures. And so what we have to ask, really, is like, what do we think if we want to model our lives after Daniel, model our lives after God, if we want to resemble God, then we ask the question, well, what do you think these four different faces represent? And that's going to be my talk today. What are the four faces that these represent? And so face number one, it was a what? It was a lion. And all throughout Scripture, lions represent power. And all that is to say, it's just the anointing of God. It is walking with God. It doesn't really matter. Let me say it like this. It doesn't really matter how skilled you are at what you do if you don't have the presence of God with you. It doesn't matter how skilled you are. Let me say it a different way. You don't even have to be skilled at what you do. Miss Whitney, you're a painter, an amazing painter. You don't have to be skilled. Because you have the presence of God with you, don't you, right? You see what I'm saying? It doesn't matter how great you are or something, if you have the presence of God. And in fact, here's what I think. I think a lot of people are pursuing a skill set and being great. And that's not a problem. That's nothing wrong with trying to to learn and get better. But if you, you cannot let that come between or cost you your relationship with God. Because it is the power of God. Me and Mr. Samuel was having a conversation the other day. He's like, oh, where are you going with this? And so he was sitting there drinking a Diet Coke. He loves Diet Coke, apparently, and uh, I'm not much on Diet Coke. I like Bark's Root Beer. We're sitting there talking, and he says this. He says, me and Becky had our quiet time the other day, which I thought was amazing that they have a quiet time, and you should have a quiet time if you don't already with your spouse. It'll help your marriage 1,000%. Amen? Amen? And so... 
he's sitting there and he said, you know what was amazing? We're reading in Exodus, where Kat read from this morning, and all of these, of these, um, like, the horses and the Egyptians was coming and they were chasing the Israelites. And you know what? The Israelites didn't have any horses. That's just crazy to me. They didn't have any horses. But the Egyptians, the Egyptians had all the horses. And do you know what horses were, Drake? I was like, no, Mr. Shami, inform me. He said, they were a sign of power. And so the Egyptians came with all their might and all their power and with all their horses. And the Israelites didn't have nothing. Don't you think that's strange? I said, absolutely, I think it's strange. But guess what? The Israelites had the presence of God. And so you don't have to have all the power, all the skill set in the world. All you need is the presence of God in your life. That, I love you, Mr. Donnie. Uh, I'm telling you, I tell you it's, it's, the, it's the face of the lion. It's the face of power. But watch this, watch this, okay? It's not the preacher's job. Ooh, ooh, spit on some steel toes. Let me get my soap. I got a soap bar. Let me get on my soapbox, you know? It's not the preacher's job to make your relationship with God what it should be. I can lead you and I can help you, but Drake Nelson can't make your relationship with God everything that it should be. That's on you. That's on you in your quiet time, in your relationship, in your pursuing, in your defeat of temptation and how you pray and ask God to help you through the, what, what you can. I can do my best to help you. The power of God, the face of the line. The second face that we have is the face of the man. And a lot of times we see the man, the best that I can tell, represents relationships. Represents relationships. We know that God is powerful, yes, but did you know that God is also a, pers- a personable God? That he knows how to relate to people? Now for all you like outgoing out there that just have an outgoing spirit and a certain je ne sais quoi about you and everybody's just attracted to you, well, good for you. You know, I'm socially awkward. I don't know why. I'm just weird. I like go up to people like, I shake their hand or I do a fist bump, you know, or shake their hand or to give them a hug. I don't know. I'm so socially awkward talking to everybody, not just you. I, I went 17 years of my life, Mr. Will. I didn't know you were supposed to look people in the eye when you talked to them. I promise, like, this is for real, okay? I thought you were supposed to look them in their mouth. So I would look at their mouth when they would talk. I was the best rip leader this side of the Mason-Dixon line. I could read some lips, okay? I was like, what do you say about me, son? And and then somebody, one of my best friends, he's like, you know, I've always wondered, why do you stare at my mouth when I talk? I said, what are you talking about? Doesn't ever, aren't you supposed to? He said, no, you're supposed to stare at people at your eyes. I said, oops. So the next year, I'd be having conversations. <laughs> Never would blink. What's up, son? How you doing? Just weird. You know, social, I don't know. I just, I wish I could grow at this relating to people and, and having this, like, outgoing, exuberant personality. I'm like, I'm, you may think, well, you kind of do. Well, I have to with you, you know, I, I, I'm such an introvert, I really am, you can ask Cass, like, I'm totally fine, she went to Birmingham, I just sat in my office and read books all week, you know, uh, I'm fine, but here's the thing, here's the thing, I wanted to become better at relationships, I wanted, I'm, I, I, I was not born great at it, but I wanted to become good at it, Miss Crystal, I wanted to become great at relationships, and so you know what I did? I went to the Word of God, somebody say, that's what you're supposed to do, right, I went to the Bible, that's a good thing. And here's what I found about the Word of God. Okay, I found that these three rules are all throughout the Bible. 
number one, is if you have a good thought, say it. You write that down if you're taking If you have a good thought, speak it. Don't you dare, like, do something bad. Don't you dare think something good about somebody and not do them the, the kindness of just saying, hey, I had this thought about you. I, I, Mr. Will Love, uh, Mr. Will Love. Mr. Will is one of the m- most, like, genuine people that I know. I love that man. I saw him. I was talking to him this morning. I was walking down the hallway. I said, I got a good thought about Mr. Will. I turned around. I went and told him exactly what I thought about him. Yeah, but it was a good thought. So, you know, don't think about... Think, if you think something good, say it, right? Here's, here's what I've learned in my 25 years of existence. I'm 25, I'll say what I want now, right? I've learned that compliments, I've learned that compliments are like wax. They just slide off. Compliments are like wax. But insults, insults are like Velcro. And they just stick to you. And they stay with you so much more. In fact, a study was done. You need seven. You need seven compliments for every one insult. And I had somebody insult me this week. I really did. And I was studying this. And they and whenever they said what they said, I, I was hurt. And you know who came to my mind? First person that came to my mind. You. You. Because every day I get done, it doesn't matter if I stink it up, if I do a good job. You know, I got four or five people in line. Great job. Great sermon. Give me a hug. Good job. Like, oh, we love you so good. You guys are the most encouraging people that I can know. And when they insulted me, you said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm about to flip the script on this. I'm about to flip the script. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to let insults become like wax. And I'm going to let compliments become like Velcro. Because I need that. And so when you are, when you think something good, say it. Um, the scripture, Barnabas. Barnabas was a what? Barnabas was known as a great encourager, wasn't he? Number two thing I learned in the scripture was this. Write somebody a note. Write somebody a note. You say, where did you get that in scripture? Hello, the word of God is one big note. It's one big note saying this is how God feels about you. This is how God feels about you. Write somebody a note. That is going to be one of the a most great things in the world that we live in today with its text and its emails and its tweets and its talk and its social. You know social media ain't that social, just saying. And there's this whole idea about social distancing. and it's a, it's a, I wish they wouldn't say social distancing because we have done that. We've become more isolated. Write somebody a note. It'll mean the world to them. Um, all the little kids, I can see a couple little kids across here. You know what they'll do many Sundays or Wednesdays or wherever? They'll come up to me and they'll bring me a piece of paper. And all it will be is a little note. And they'll say, uh, good job, Brother Drake. I'm like, mmm, right there. Erase the brother, you know. He's like, last week somebody wrote me, it's like, good job singing this morning. They meant playing the piano, but they said singing. You know? And what I do, I go to my office, I take them all to my desk. I, take them, I tape them all to my desk. Why? Because it means something to me. And I think that's so sweet and it encourages me. And it means a lot more to me than it costs them. And so if you're a little kid in here, let me, or if you're a child or a son or daughter, let me encourage you something to do today. Go home, write your parents a note. Write your parents a note. Tell them how you feel. I guarantee you this. I guarantee that will make a huge difference in their life. That will make their day if you write them, hey, mom, I absolutely adore you. You're, you're an amazing mother. Write a note. Third thing I learned was this. It's so hard. Okay, third thing I learned was this. Be present. Be present. What does that mean? It means weep with those who weep. Weep with those who weep. I'll never forget it. I called my mom. This is just an example of this week. I called my mom this week. I said, Mom, your, your voice, it, it doesn't sound good. She said, yeah, this week is a hard week for me. I lost my mom, you know. And every Mother's Day comes around. I see everybody posting on social media, and, and it reminds me. 
I don't have a mother to be thankful for. I said, Mama, yes, you do. You have a mother to be thankful for. And I know she's gone, but I'm so glad that you're still here with us. But she hurts at this. And maybe, Mr. Donnie, maybe you hurt. Maybe you hurt today. And many of you here, maybe you hurt today. Maybe you've lost somebody. Maybe you've lost your mom. And you hurt today. Weep with those who weep. And by the way, by the way, can we just take like five seconds and say, Thank you, Lord, for the mothers that you have sent in our life that are no longer here with us today. They've gone and been with the Lord. They're with the Lord right now. But can we stand up and give some honor and glory and praise and say, Thank you so much, Mom, for being the best mom. Can we stand up and just give a clap right now for all the moms who are not with us today? We love y'all. We thank y'all. And equally a good clap for all the mothers who are here today. We love you. We thank you. You're an amazing mom. You can be seated. You can be seated. Awesome. 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 But I want to tell you this. I want to apologize. I, we want to weep with those who weep, but I want to apologize. Um, um, sometimes God tells me to say that. Sometimes God puts it on my spirit to say something. And, uh, and I try to do it most of my like I tried my best to do it. Um, and sometimes I get to speak and I forget to say something. And I, and, and, and I just forget. I just don't say it. And God had spoke to me, or God had put placed it on my spirit to say something. It's about five weeks ago. It actually may have been even longer than that. And I didn't say it. And I was driving here today, and God said, you never said that. I want you to say it this morning. And I said, okay, I'll say it. And I know exactly what it was. And here it is. This is going to be heavy, so just take it. I don't know who this is for. This may be just for one person in this room. It may be just for one person in this room. But it was this idea about um, abortion. And we do a good job at speaking against abortion. And a lot of people do that, but we don't do such a good job of loving those who've had one. And God was like, Drake, would you please tell the people that have had one and have walked down that road, that I still love them and I still care for them and I am still here for them and that's why I sent my son for them and that's why they have the grace and the love of God. So if you're here tonight and that is your, or this morning and that is your story, I just want you to know that God is there for you. I don't know who this is for, but he placed it on my heart bigger than a rock this morning, and I just had to get that off my chest, that God loves you. And don't let that regret and that remorse eat you alive. You hear me? You hear me? We do a great job of speaking out against it, but maybe not such a great job of saying, hey, look, if you walk down that love, we still love you, and God still loves you, and he's still for you. Lastly, we got the face of, or not lastly, we got the face of the eagle. So what is about the eagle? The eagle, I think it represents excellence. All throughout the Bible, excellence, excellence. I remember we all, our entire family went on a vacation. We went up to, um, to Missouri, and it was like my aunts and my uncles and everybody. We were all sitting out there having a little putting competition, and as we was putting, we looked, and we saw this huge eagle just flying around. It was right over our head, about 75 yards away. There was this huge, like, it wasn't huge, but, I mean, it was like, you know, a three, four-acre pond, and it was on a golf course, and that eagle spotted something in that lake. And with about one or two flaps, it didn't even have to like flap a lot. It was just like, boom, boom, there. 
you know, and it saw a fish. And there, I don't know, it's like towns or claws. It reached them out, and it went. We don't see eagles around here, so we're all just like, just watching the whole thing. Our jaws on the floor. It grabs a five-pound bass out of the water and puts it on the side and just starts eating it right there on the golf course. It just, goop, goop, goop. that thing knew it was bad. I was like, stay away from you. I'm not hitting my golf ball in that direction. It, I, you know, I had a little moment right there. I was like, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States. I mean, I, oh, I'm telling you, hey, excellence. And God is powerful, and God is also personable. But he does some things sometimes that just make you step back and say, wow, wow. That was done really, really well. I was talking to Miss Glenda the other day. She's going through a lot. Please pray for her. I was talking to Miss Glenda the other day, and we were having a conversation. He said, you know what, Drake? My dad used to tell me all the time. My dad used to tell me, um, no matter if you're digging ditches or working in restaurants, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. I said, amen, Miss Glenda. That's exactly right. Whatever you do, do it in a way that is excellent. Do it in a way that is excellent. Why? Because excellence draws people in. My dad, he has a co-worker. His name is Todd Coon. Doesn't that just sound like a redneck name? Todd Coon. And my dad's Tyson Nelson, so it don't get any better. And they're both just, I'm talking about, country you know like I mean, my dad walks up with flip-flops and cargo shorts a cut off mississippi state short with a i'll just say a paper bag in this hand i'm not gonna say what was in the paper bag and they roll up is that okay to say in church they roll up to the ritz carlton and todd coon my dad by this time he had like a real uh big thick thick beard and um gotta love him and todd coon rolls up he says hey Little guy came out. He was going to check the bags. And he says, you know, uh, you know who Duck Dynasty is? He said, yeah. He said, That's Jeff Robertson right there. That dude says, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, we got, I don't know what he said. He said something real fast. And about four servants come back. They come, they pop the trunk in the car. They start doing all kind of twit tricks with the bag. Start throwing the bags up, all the luggage, all this. They go in there, they put all the clothes in the drawers, and they roll out the red carpet. And Dad, this is a true story. I'm not making any of this up. They walk down the thing. Dad's, I mean, country looking south. Yeah, we, we up in here. The, the server sitting at the door, and he goes, Anything else? Here you go. Everything's taken care of. Eat drink, soda, anything? No, no, okay. Is that all for you? Yes. And he, dad's telling me this story. I said, well, would you go back? He says, absolutely, I'd go back. Why? Why? Because it's excellent. I don't know if it was just because I thought he was famous or what, but I was like, oh, man. Excellence. Excellence. And because excellence draws people in. There was a business statistic done the other day, and you know what they said in that business statistics, statistic that they found out? Hunter, you may think this is interesting. <laughs> I may just be talking to you. I don't know. So they said that the number one way to get repeat customers in any business is that they leave feeling comfortable. They leave feeling comfortable. And so the, the question obviously then is, well, what makes people comfortable? And the number one answer by far is a spirit of excellence. A spirit of excellence. So as the body of Christ, we need to do things that are excellent. So how do we do that? Number three, I got three things. One, do all things as unto the Lord. Number two, do things before being asked. 
Amen, moms, you know, right, amen. All little kids in here, here, get this, get this, Ray, Braylon, all of you, you know, right here, here, get, go home and just start doing stuff without even being asked. You know, I'm going to, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sweep, I'm going to do my clean. You know how, how much your mom appreciates not having to ask you to clean your room, to brush your teeth, to take a shower, to do your homework? I mean, they really do. I mean, that really does mean a lot. Do stuff before it's asked. And then thirdly, it's just this. It's simply do more than ask. Jesus calls this going the extra mile. The last face we have, and I'm running out of time this morning, the last face that we have is the face of the ox. And here's what I think that means. I think that just simply means being a servant because the ox was the best servant. Plow the fields all day long. Plow the fields. Servant. Have y'all ever seen Winnie the Pooh? You know, you know the guy off of Winnie the Pooh called Trigger is like Humpty Dumpty, Humpty Dumpty, da 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 da. Yeah, girl, you know that 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 Tigger. What would Tigger always say? Tigger would always when he when he was asked something to do something. What would he say? I think it's like flouncy, pouncy, flouncy, flouncy. Life's a wonderful thing. Or you don't you don't know the Tigger song? Okay, maybe it's just me, Tigger. Okay, um, top is made of rubber, bottom is made of spring. No, okay, we're like, no, we don't watch Winnie the Pooh. Well, let me tell you about Winnie the Pooh. Whenever Tigger was asked to do anything, they would say, he would say, well, that's what Tiggers do best. And that's the attitude that I'm talking about is doing things and doing them as a servant. Here's, uh, there's a, a survey done just the other day, and here's what the survey said. They said, what's the number one aspect in leadership that you are looking for? And this was, a sur- this was done inside the church, by the way. And they said, here's what I want for a leader. Number one thing, by far, I want a servant. I want, I want somebody to serve me. I want somebody to lead me who is not too, who's not too proper to become a servant as well. Number one thing, um, just grab this example. Do you, do you remember when Jesus is getting ready to leave the earth? The last night that Jesus was going to spend on earth, the very last night, and he grabs his disciples and he says, Hey, y'all disciples, come here, come here. And he grabs them all down and he cuts them some bread. And Peter's like, Hey, I mean, I don't know if Peter said this, but I like to think he would. Can I cut the bread? Do you want me to? Jesus says, No, I got it. I got it. Cuts the bread. Here, this is my body. Remember this. And then boom, boom, boom. Here's some drinks. Every time you drink, remember me. And then what does he do? On this last night, he does the most audacitous thing. He sits them down with a bowl of water and a rag and kneels down and starts to wash their feet. He says, when you remember me every time, remember me as a servant. I came not to be served, but the Son of Man came to serve and give his life as a sacrifice for the many. God said, hey, if you want to be a leader, you've got to learn to serve. Got to learn to serve. Got to learn to serve. So you ready for my grand poobah finale? Okay, this is my grand poobah of all finale. Here we go. We got four Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I think we have all these four faces in the four Gospels. Check this out. You say, well, what's the face of power? That'd be uh, the book of John. Be the book of John. Did you know John starts out, has the most miracles in all the Gospels John does? And how does it start out? The Word was with God, but not only that, how? The Word was God. John says, Jesus is powerful. Jesus is powerful. Number two, the man. Which one would that be? Man. That's Luke. That's Luke. Did you know that Luke, actually what he does, Luke starts out with a genealogy, and not only is it a genealogy all the way back to Abraham, but Luke's genealogy goes all the way back to Adam. 
And he said, hey, this dude, he's a man. He's a man. Pointed out his relationships. And by the way, in Luke, there are more parables in Luke than any other gospel. More parables in Luke than any other gospel. And parables is a great way to relate to people. Third one is, is um, we got the man, that, we got the eagle. Which one would be the eagle? Which one would be the excellence? That would be Matthew. You know, Matthew quotes the Old Testament more than anybody else. He crosses every T, he's an accountant, crosses dots every I. And I can tell I'm kind of losing this. People's like, okay, get on with it. And then lastly, we got the, uh, the, the ox, and the ox is Mark. And we know that because um, the, the servant, right, there are more healing, healing, healing miracles in Mark than any other one. And Mark doesn't even give the genealogy. It starts with a baptism because nobody wants to know the genealogy of a servant. And here's my conclusion. I don't want to lose any of you. I have a video right here. Um, you can Don't play it yet. I went to run the other day, and I found out that the longest anybody has ever ran a 26-point-whatever-mile marathon, the fastest anybody's ever run it, is somebody ran it in right under two hours, a couple of seconds under two hours, two hours, 26 miles in under two hours. That's 4.18 a minute a mile for 26 miles. And I said, babe, I can do that. I can do that, right? I was like, you know, here's what I want to do. I want, I got in my car and I drove all the way around. I started at my house and went all the way to Pepper Wilson, all the way to Pepper Wilson. I went down Pepper Wilson, then down Day Place, came back, and then around Mr. Carl James' house, took a ride on Vaughn, went all the way up to Vaughn, past the shop where Miss Yolanda lives, and took a ride all the way back down Blackjack. And two laps of that would be half a marathon. I said, I want to do it in two, I want to run half a marathon in two, in, two, in two hours. I can do that, half a marathon. So all I had to do was run it twice, and I'd be there. I think it was like seven point something miles, one lap. So I said, I'm going to do that. And uh, this is two hours later. This is two hours later, and Kat got a video of my first lap around, all right? And she got this video right here. I was on the ground. She came back. Got my ear. <laughs> I was done. It's like I got one lap in two hours, no more, right? So why, why do I say, why do I show that? I show that to say we don't start off being amazing at all four of these. It takes work. I'm not going to start off running a, a, a 4.18 mile per whatever marathon, right? It's going to take work to build up that. We're not going to be amazing at all these things, but it takes work. I texted Miss Crystal. I said, Miss Crystal, would you please mind reading scripture this morning and praying? And do you know what she responded to me? Do you remember what she responded to me? She said, absolutely. I said, are you sure? She said, yeah. She smiled. She said, I gotta start somewhere. 
And that's what I say to you. You got to start somewhere. And so this week, why don't you close your eyes in prayer? Why don't you close your eyes in prayer? Put your hands out if, you, if, you're, if you're not too um, uncomfortable with that. And we, what we want to do this week is we want to seek excellence, seek leadership. We want to seek power, relationship. We want to seek servanthood, and we want to seek excellence in the things we do. God, I pray as we stay here and we're in this moment, this morning, I thank you for the mothers and thank you for the graduates. And as we go, God, I pray that you just speak your power over us. I pray that you speak your person, person, like personality, your relationships over us. God, I pray that you speak excellence over our lives, that we pursue excellence in everything that we do. And God, I pray that you put in us a spirit of servanthood. We pray all these things in your name. Amen and amen.